We're going to be taking a break from our verse-by-verse study through the life of David today. It's been some uh, great studies. Last week we were in 1 Samuel chapter 25. But we're taking a quick break. We're going to hang out with Jesus this morning in Mark chapter 10. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. The classic sitcom, I Dream of Jeannie, ran for five years on NBC to compete with ABC's wildly popular Bewitched series. How many people have seen I Dream of Jeannie? Okay, but how many of you saw it really on NBC and not on Nick at Night? Okay. (laughs) The comic draw of a joke or a movie or a television show about a genie is obvious because we know that anytime you come across a genie and you make a wish... Man, things do not turn out the way that you were hoping for. In fact, there's always some catch, there's always some weird interpretation, there's always some mishap that leaves the wisher much worse off than they were before they found the genie. It's just ripe for comedy. This morning there is a question I would like to pose to each and every one of us, starting with myself. The question is this, what do you want Jesus to do for you? It's an important and interesting question that we can ask ourselves and we should ask ourselves because the answer should bring out two things from our lives. First, it should reveal what we think about Jesus Christ and how we think about God in general. You know, sometimes I think we have a tendency to think of him more like a genie in a bottle than who he really is as revealed in Scripture. It's easy to approach God as some sort of supernatural vending machine, you know, that we go to when we're in need of something and hopefully he delivers and doesn't hang on that thing that, you know, always happens in the office. But we, we approach him as a vending machine sometimes as opposed to who he really is. That's the first thing that we should discover when answering that question. What do we know about God and what do we think about Jesus Christ? But beyond that... Answering that question is going to expose what our minds and our thoughts are focused on and it will expose the direction that our life is going. Uh, It's so important to ask ourselves these sorts of questions when we approach God's Word because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we as believers should always be opening up the Bible and saying, Lord, examine me, try me, search me out. That's what David did, and that's what we want to do as well. It's important to pose spiritual questions to ourselves as we seek to move forward in our faith. And so what do you want Jesus to do for you? It's incredible to read that at various times, Jesus Christ would be talking to a person on the earth, and he would pose this very question to them. Uh, Can you imagine for a moment what that would be like? That the creator of heaven and earth pausing to not only, you know, see you, but pausing to look at you and to speak to you and then say, ask me, what do you want me to do for you? It's an incredible thing to think about. Now, in our text this morning, we'll take a look at how one of these situations worked out. We'll see how this interaction can have a huge impact on our lives today. And we'll see that the King of heaven and earth has paused to speak to each of us and to ask each of us, what do you want me to do for you? The passage we're going to look at is Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. You can follow along as I read it aloud. Starting in verse 46, we read this. Now they came to Jericho... And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, 
he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he called out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let's pray once more. Lord, we thank you for this text. Not just a story, Lord, but something that you really did, something that really happened. But not just a history lesson, God, it's also something that we can apply to our lives. And so I pray that for every one of us, Lord, that you would open our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear and and hearts that are ready to understand. Because we know, God, that you are a God of revelation and you desire to speak to us. And so we pray that you would, by your power and by your spirit, open our eyes to see what you want us to see, who you are and what you have done on our behalf and what you want for our lives. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. There are really a lot of great characters in this text. Uh, A fun thing to do when you get to a story like this in the Bible, whether it's the Gospels or the Old Testament or wherever, a good thing to do is to think of it like this. If, if, you know, this passage was made into a one-act play and they were going to cast the different characters, who would you be cast as right now? You know, what, how does your life line up to the various groups or individuals represented? You know, there's Jesus, there's his disciples, there's Bartimaeus, there's the crowd, there's all sorts of different people in these stories. This morning, we want to focus the most on blind Bartimaeus. He's a, an incredible example to us of not only how we can call out to God right now, but also of what God really wants to do in every single one of our lives. Because in Mark chapter 10, we discover that God's desire is to give us vision. Whether you're a Christian here this morning or not, see yourself as blind Bartimaeus. Put yourself in his position and understand that Jesus Christ is here and he's offering himself to you. And this morning he's asking you the question, what do you want me to do for you? So again, in verse 46, we read this. Now they, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Jericho is such an intriguing city in the Bible. If you get a chance later today or this week at some point, do a quick search on version or Esword of the word Jericho, and you're going to read some really fascinating passages. Um, some incredible things happened there during biblical history. Specifically, of course, remember that Jericho was the first stop for the children of Israel in their conquest of the land of Canaan. Most famously, we think, of course, of the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. We sing songs about that, and it's perhaps the most famous battle scene in the entire Bible, one of the most recognizable stories there. But, of course, before the walls came tumbling down, we remember Rahab, a very important person, not only in that story, but in the Bible text altogether. Rahab, the Canaanite woman who hid the spies of Israel, She turned to God, she received his mercy and his salvation, and she even then became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Incredible. 
In Mark chapter 10, we read about Jesus now in Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. He's just days away from laying down his life for the sins of the world on a Roman cross. Yet he pauses to reach out to this poor blind man sitting on the road. In either case, whether you're thinking about Bartimaeus here in Mark chapter 10 or Rahab back in the book of Joshua, Jericho serves as a wonderful reminder to us of God's mercy and his love for the people of the earth. It's such a great backdrop to see how much God loves human beings and how much he loves you and I. Though God is perfect and must judge sin, He must deal with the corruption that we have brought into the world, even still He is willing to extend mercy and His grace to anyone who would but call out to Him. Anyone who would call upon Him. People like Rahab, people like Bartimaeus, people like you and me. God is willing to pause and deal with us. Our God is a God of mercy and compassion that actually moves on our behalf. And he has a plan for redemption and restoration and he's carrying it out all over the earth. That's the picture that we see in this city. I do find it interesting too here that not only is Bartimaeus' name recorded in this story, but also we're even given the name of his father. Um, We don't know a whole lot about either of those guys beyond this story, but it's just interesting because not all of the people who Jesus healed are mentioned by name. You know, there's a lot of, you know, nameless people because there are many, many, many multitudes of individuals that Jesus touched and cured and revived. And often they're just nameless as we read about the Lord healing them. We think of the woman with a chronic hemorrhaging problem who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. We think of the ten lepers who Jesus cleansed and sent on their way. We think of the man with the shriveled hand healed on the Sabbath. You know, those are sort of nameless people. But here, as the Holy Spirit was inspiring Mark to write this gospel, we're given Bartimaeus' name and we're given his dad's name too. It illustrates the point to me that God, Jesus, knew exactly who this guy was and what was going on in his life. Holy Spirit coming to Mark and inspiring him to write the gospel of Mark gets to this story and he says, oh yeah, this guy, Bartimaeus, I know exactly who this is. Because Jesus knows us. He knows you. He knows me. He knows your name. He knows your family. He knows the number of hairs on your head. In fact, he's numbered the hairs of your head. He knows you personally. You see, as a blind man in the first century of Jericho, Bartimaeus was in trouble. Okay, as a blind man in this time and in this place, he would have no choice but to beg for food and money to survive day to day. That was it. That's all he had. There was no Judean Disabilities Act. There was no work programs he could participate in. There was no help other than the charity of others unless he came from a wealthy family, which he didn't because he was a beggar on the side of the road. However, God knew exactly who he was. He knew who his family was. He knew this guy's situation. He knew him by name. This poor man who could perhaps survive physically day to day, yet he had no real future hope. I mean, sitting in the dirt day in and day out as a blind man in the first city century of Jericho, you are without hope. There's nothing for you. He was destitute and bound by his affliction. He was trapped by the bondage that sin has brought into the world. This is what sin has done to God's creation. It has perverted God's creation and bound human beings and afflicted them. And Bartimaeus is a picture of that, what sin does to a person. But this seemingly hopeless and 
socially worthless man was known by God. And his life was about to be changed forever. Because our God is a personal God. He's not up in heaven building the earth as if it's Sim City. Anybody a Sim City fan? I remember Sim City when it was on like Windows 3.1 or 4.1 or whatever, just old school Windows. And I remember it being so fun because you'd spend all this time building your little city. You'd build the power plant and you'd build little power poles and you'd build out houses and then the police station and you'd build the harbor and the airport and all. You spend all this time so that then you could click the Godzilla button and Godzilla would come in and little square plumes of smoke would then come up from your city. And you just watch Godzilla tear up your city and then you'd build it all again so that you could have Godzilla come again and destroy your city. But that isn't what the Lord does. He's not up in heaven, you know, playing a game like it's, you know, his iPod touch or whatever. You know, sometimes I think we're imperfect human beings, but sometimes in our frustration or in our weakness, we can think of God as distant. We can think of him as far away. But as revealed in the scriptures, we find that he is a God who is present, he is passionate, he is personal. He's here, he's, he's, he's available to you. He's not far off. And he's mindful of you and your current situation. And his desire is that you draw near to him and enjoy a living relationship with him. We will see that in this text. So here's what happened to our man Bartimaeus. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is really such a heartbreaking scene. If we can try to separate ourselves from the relative comfort that we enjoy here in America, you know, and try to put ourselves in this position and understand if this was us, you know, understand that Bartimaeus was a man who before this particular moment, he had no hope. You know, he, he sat in the dirt every day. Blind, hoping that someone would give him enough money or enough food for him to get through to the next day. At some point during his life, before this specific day, he had heard some rumors that there's a prophet over in Nazareth. There's this rabbi who's, who's teaching and, and people are starting to follow him. And you know what? He's confounding the religious leaders. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees, no one, no one has ever taught before like this guy teaches. He eventually had heard stories there in Jericho as he sat by the road and people would pass by. He would hear about how this man from Nazareth, you know, he healed a blind person at, at Bethsaida and, and, and there were whispers about the lame being made to walk and the dead raised up again. And then there were other stories that started rolling in as more of his teachings and more of his exploits had spread around the region and through Jericho. Unbelievable. And people saying, yeah, you know, this guy did this. Well, says who? Yeah, there were 10,000 people there that he fed with five loaves and two fish. There was a group of people there and they were mourning and he said, we're going to raise this person up from the dead. There was this blind man that he healed and these lepers that he cleansed and he's doing all these crazy things and nobody knows what's going on or how it's possible. And somewhere along the line, as he sat there day in and day out, hearing these stories and thinking about this, he understood that this man everyone was talking about must be the Messiah. He must be the one that they were all waiting for, the son of David that had been prophesied by the Lord who would make right what mankind had set wrong. One who could heal the broken and even open the eyes of the blind. And now, this Jesus who you've been hearing about as you sat there in your affliction, in your darkness, in the dirt, hoping to survive, 
this Jesus was actually in Jericho. He was here. It, it, it was incredible. Now, ironically, it seems as though Bartimaeus lived on the wrong side of town. Jesus came to Jericho, but it says as he was leaving Jericho is when he crossed Bartimaeus' path. Man, what an opportunity and what an instant to be there. and What a, 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 a moment filled with so much anticipation and, and, and so much hinging upon it. And as Bartimaeus sat there by the road, as he did every single day, hoping to receive enough money or food to survive just another night, the noise started to grow. There were more people than usual. Soon he found himself in the midst of a, a huge crowd, a multitude of persons. And finally, he was probably calling out to people saying, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? And finally, someone said to him, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is here. He's passing by. He's leaving. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And in that moment, that moment of opportunity that he would never have again, Bartimaeus knew that his only hope was to call out to God for mercy. He called out asking for the help that only a Messiah could give. There was nothing else for him. But then something truly unthinkable happened. Verse 48 says, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He believed Jesus to be the Messiah, and he didn't want this opportunity to pass him by. From his heart and from everything that was within him, he called out to God and asked for mercy. That's what he needed. But the people around him actually tried to hold him back. They tried to keep him quiet. They assumed that Jesus had no time or interest in a person like him. You know, during that time and in that place, not that it doesn't happen still today, but specifically there, people like the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel, you know, they didn't have time for blind beggars who sat in the road. In fact, they separated themselves from that and they said, hey, I'm holy, I am righteous, I'm better than you. I don't have time to talk to you. If you're a leper, I'm going to throw rocks at you. If you're a person you know, uh, that's been beaten and maimed and crippled on the road, I'm going to cross to the other side of the street and walk on by because I'm too good for this. I'm too big for this. And so the people around him thought, this, this rabbi who's walking on water and making the storms you know, on the sea calm again, and he's raising the dead, he doesn't have time for you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't want to talk to you, so just shut your mouth. But Bartimaeus understood that in this one instant, in this one man was his chance to receive God's mercy, and so he did all that he could to call out to the Lord. Verse 49 so Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Now remember, the Bible says that Jesus had firmly set his gaze on Jerusalem. His mission in coming to earth was to take our sin on our behalf and die on a Roman cross, three days later rise again from the dead, winning victory over sin and death. And he had firmly fixed his gaze on Jerusalem. The culmination of human history, both past and future, was the moment of the cross. And Jesus there was on his way. He had fixed his gaze. He was going to Jerusalem. You know, uh, immediately after this passage, if you continue in Mark chapter 11, Jesus would enter into Jerusalem in what is known as the triumphal entry as people lined the streets and laid down their clothes and palm branches on the road before him, praising him and worshiping God. His death is what he came to earth to do. That was his focus at this time. 
Imagine the timing of heaven and all the things that the Lord was accomplishing in these few short days. But in spite of all of that, in spite of all of the things that were going on, our God was willing to pause and to stand still and to do business with one blind beggar on the side of the road leaving Jericho. This one blind beggar who had one opportunity to speak face to face with the Messiah. It's a powerful thing to think about. And what a remarkable thing it is to see demonstrated here what is true for each and every one of us this morning. The God who created heaven and earth, the God who holds the atoms of existence together in the palm of his hand, the eternal God who is accomplishing his will throughout human history all over the earth, has paused and called out to you. He's called out to you because he knows who you are. He knows exactly who you are and what's going on in your life. He's called out to you. He's called out to me. He knows me by name. He knows my father. He knows my mother. He knows my wife. He knows my son. And to you and to me, he says, you, you, come talk to me. I'd like to do some business with you right now. I want you to know me the way I know you. He is a God of personal opportunity. Now, we have nothing to offer God. We have nothing within ourselves that is worthy of His presence. Yet, to each one of us, He has sent a call and now He awaits our response. This is our God, the Lord who stood still to engage a blind beggar whose life was about to change. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. Bartimaeus knew something was going to happen because he knew who Jesus was and so he cast away his cloak, hurrying to stand before the Lord. I, had a, I have a sneaking suspicion that he knew that something good was going to happen, that he wasn't going to be a blind beggar anymore because he had a chance to talk to the Messiah and he threw aside that outer garment so that he wouldn't be weighed down by anything. Verse 51 So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. How the crowd must have gone silent. First, they were confused by the fact that Jesus, this rabbi, this man with so many followers, would dare to take time to interact with a person of such dirty and low stature. You know, uh, that was just something that they didn't understand. The love of God that reached out to touch lepers. You don't touch lepers. Especially not if you're an important rabbi, a holy man. They would have been silent uh, seeing this unfold. But then secondly, just waiting to see what was going to happen. You know, the Bible says that lots and lots of people were always following Jesus. Just thousands of people always drawing to him and flocking to him. But many of them just kind of saw him as an entertainment. They wanted to see what the magician was going to do next. They weren't really following him sincerely. They were following him because TiVo wasn't invented yet. And so they were waiting to see what would happen. But in this moment, Bartimaeus asked for mercy and he asked for vision. That's what he asked for. But he got so much more than that. He did receive the Lord's mercy. He did receive his sight. But for the first time ever, notice this, his life had hope. For the first time ever, he had a future. His future wasn't just to wake up tomorrow, sit in the dirt and hope that people gave him enough food to survive. For the first time ever, he suddenly had a life that he never had before, a life in Christ. And he immediately followed Jesus on the road. How remarkable it is that Jesus said, go your way. And he said, yeah, my way is with you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you on the road. 
One minute he was a destitute beggar, the next minute he was a disciple going with Jesus toward Jerusalem, witnessing the triumphal entry. He was made well by the power of God. Now in this text, in this situation, we learn a lot of things about the Lord. Remember, Jesus knew the hearts of men. He knew what Bartimaeus needed. He knew what he wanted. And so why the question? Why did Jesus say, hey, come over here. Let's talk for a little bit. We're going to pause all the stuff that's going on. What do you want me to do for you? Why not just toss some healing at him as he walked by? Hey, boom, done. We don't need to spend any time doing that. I got to get to Jerusalem. Why the interaction? The answer is because God is a God of opportunity, personal opportunity. He's a God of relationship, and he's a God who respects our choices. You know, the Lord does not force himself upon us. The Bible goes on record and says, you know, you have things going on in your life, and you want certain things to happen, but God has bigger plans for your life than you can imagine. You may be facing a difficult time, or you may have, you know, a plan, but The Bible is on record as saying Jesus Christ wants to give you more than you can ask or imagine. A life that you didn't think was possible. Jesus Christ, what he wants to do in your life, you can't believe. God wants more for us than just a few of our wishes granted. Remember, he's not a genie. He's not a vending machine where we say, boy, I really need this fixed right now. Can you fix it? God is saying, you know, I want to give you something whole. I want to give you something complete. I want to give you something bigger than yourself. You think this is a problem, but what I'm offering you not only resolves the issue that you're facing right now, but it gives you a future and a hope and a life that you didn't even understand could be possible before. But he will not force us to receive that life and that redemption and that gift that he has for us. He's not going to force us to do it. It's not Sim City. He's a God of relationship and a God of personal opportunity. Now, we also learn from this text that God is mindful of our situations and circumstances on the earth. When Bartimaeus comes to him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I'd like to be able to see, please. Jesus didn't say, guess what? In heaven, you'll be able to see. You know that I'm the Messiah, so don't bother me with this. That's not really my problem right now. Uh, Our God is a God who acts in our lives today and who is mindful of what you are going through and what I am going through. Now, does that mean that he will, we will always be healed of every affliction? No. Does that mean that we just order up what we want God to do for us and petition him and then he has to do whatever we want? No. He's not a genie. He's the master. We are not the master. The goal of life is not to be wealthy and healthy. That's not the goal of our lives. Nor is that guaranteed to followers of Christ. In fact, much the opposite. The Bible says, you're a Christian? Praise the Lord. You get to... Enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings. God allows suffering in our lives as part of his sovereign will and as he works on us and completes us. However, he is also mindful of our affliction. He's mindful of the difficulty. He cares about those things. Often, if we feel that we're struggling in life, if we feel confused, if we just feel burdened and weighed down, it is because we're failing to receive the spiritual help that God has for us. God says in the Bible, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's still labor, it's still work. I'm still asking you to take up a cross and follow me. But I want to give you life more abundantly. But sometimes if we feel so overburdened, and it's because we're not receiving so often the things that he wants for us, the wisdom and the endurance and the grace that he has made available to each and every Christian on the earth. 
And so if we feel a lack of peace in our lives, if we feel a lack of effectiveness in our relationship with God, then we need to understand that in Jesus Christ, God has offered us a complete package. Those heavenly blessings that we read about throughout the Bible, those gifts of the Spirit, those sureties and strengths. And often, God's Word says we receive not because we ask not. We receive not because we lack the kind of action that we see demonstrated in Bartimaeus. Often it's because we allow those opportunities to, to be with God and to stand before Him and have Him do a work in our lives go by. Bible commentator H.A. Ironside said regarding this passage, faith like that of Bartimaeus never pleads in vain. And so how do we apply these things? How do we take this passage and, and how does it become more than just a story and actually make a difference in our lives? That's what God wants for us. The first thing to understand is that on some level we are blind. Every single one of us. The Bible declares that those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we would call them non-Christians or unbelievers, people who aren't in a relationship with God, they are blind, they are in darkness, and they are destined for an eternity in hell. If that's you this morning, if you have never been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, and so you are blind. That's the result of sin. You're like Bartimaeus before he knew Jesus, sitting there in the, in the affliction and the dirt of the world, blind, unable to have future hope, unable to break free of your affliction. That's what sin does. However, God desires to remedy that blindness. This is God's plan, Acts 26:18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, understand that you are blind Bartimaeus. You are a poor beggar with no hope in your future. Maybe you can scrape by enough to survive today, but your life is lost without Jesus Christ. The good news is that God has come here to town. He's come to hang out with you and he wants to bring you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's made himself known to you. He has come and stopped and said, what do you want me to do for you? All you need to do is call out to him. Call out for his mercy. Call out for his grace that will wash you from your sins and save you for all eternity. He will give you a life to follow and a completion that is not possible aside from Him. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, calling out to God, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now you may be thinking, well, mercy is all well and good, but what I actually need is help in my marriage. What I actually need is help in my job. What I actually need is help with this terrible trial or situation that I'm facing. And God says, no, no. I know exactly what's going on in your life. Because God knows you. He knows your family. He sees you and He loves you. And His mercy is the complete package for your future. His mercy is what you need. First Chronicles 21 declares that God's mercy saves us from distress. Nehemiah chapter 9 declares that God's mercy delivers us and will not forsake us. Psalm 25 declares that God's mercy is tender and full of loving kindness. Lamentations chapter 3 declares that God's mercy is compassionate and moves on your behalf. You need God's mercy because God's mercy brings you something complete. Not one meal to survive, but something complete. Not just one answer, but a redeemed life that has a future hope. Bartimaeus received more than eyesight that day. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. I like how the King James says it. It reads that statement this way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Whole. 
God is in the business of making you and your life whole. And all of us need to understand that this is what the Lord wants for our lives. Not some temporary fix, not a band-aid, not a quick meal to get us through the day. He wants to give us something whole so that we never thirst again. Not grant us a wish or two to get us out of a jam until something worse happens and we go back and say, I'm in a new jam now. Jesus, his desire is to complete us until the moment that we are united with him in heaven. If you're not a Christian here this morning, if you've never called out for God's mercy, you can do it today and begin a life that is more than you could ever ask or imagine. But not just Christians, uh, unbelievers can suffer from uh, impaired vision. Christians too can have vision problems. That's what we discover in the Bible. Let me read you this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And so what we find is that as Christians, we are not completely finished yet. We still require the Lord's mercy every day because we still have many situations and struggles and circumstances that we encounter in this life. Meeting Jesus Christ is not a one-time introduction. It's not a one-time thing. He's not a spiritual convenience store. Because meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus means receiving Him and then following Him where He goes just like Bartimaeus did. Jesus said, go your way. Go wherever you want to go. And Bartimaeus said, I'm going where you go. Because I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be with you. You are my life now. And so the first question for a Christian this morning is, are we following? Are we actually following after the Lord? Are we moving forward in our relationship with the Lord like Bartimaeus did? Or did, have we made the mistake of the nine lepers in Luke chapter 17? I referenced them a little bit ago. Jesus came, he cleansed ten lepers, and he said, go your way, just like he said to blind Bartimaeus. Nine of them went their way, didn't follow the Lord. One of them said, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. This is my way, being with you and going where you go, doing what you do. And so are we following? Are we the nine or are we the one? They just went their way and allowed Jesus to move on beyond them. Matthew ten thirty-eight and 39, speaking to Christians, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me, Jesus said. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's a very powerful statement that we need to think through if we're Christians here this morning. We need to chew on that and say, okay, Lord, how do I do this? I want to follow after you. Because I know that every Christian here this morning desires to follow God as a disciple. We do, you do, we all do. But that isn't something that just happens on its own and that's a mistake that we can make. The Christian life doesn't just happen without us participating. We have to participate. We have to choose to follow. We have to choose to lay down self. We have to choose to sacrifice. We have to choose to go and move forward with the Lord. That's the choice that we make. As we go, it's important to remember that we still need God's vision. We need Him to give us daily wisdom and daily direction because we see through a glass dimly, the Bible says. We need His vision. We need to ask the Lord, hey, give me your vision so that I can see. When God appeared to King Solomon and he said, okay, what do you want me to do for you? Solomon understood that what he needed was wisdom. He needed the Lord's guidance and the Lord's vision. He needed all of those things in order to live the life that God prepared for him. That's what we want God to do for us. Because when we lose our heavenly vision, we find ourselves in all sorts of trouble. In fact, that's something that the Bible warns us about a number of times. Revelation 3.17 
speaking to Christians, because you say, I am rich, having become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind and naked. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins that's demonstrated in the passage just before the one that we read in mark chapter 10 james and john come up to jesus and they say lord we we want to talk to you and he says what do you want me to do for you and what they ask for is something very carnal they say well we want to be able to sit on your right hand and your left hand we want the power that you you know to to be powerful and to be prominent to be the boss of everybody and man they had lost their spiritual vision in that moment that's not what God wants for us to just be craving power so we can lord it over other people so that we can just say, this is what I want you to do for me, Lord. I'd like a yacht and I'd like this and I'd like, all, I'd like a refrigerator stocked with fish sticks and things like that. That's not what the Lord wants. And so we need to do what Bartimaeus did. We need to do what Peter is warning us to do. He says, hey, you need to, to follow, you need to add these things to your life. Not as works, but hey, you need to jump into the life that God actually has delivered to you. The way that he's given you to walk in. Because if we don't follow after him, then our vision becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until we're just self-absorbed again. We're blind again. We're saved, yes, we haven't lost our salvation, but we're losing pace with Jesus Christ as he moves forward and as we stay focused on selves. As we seek to live out this life and love the Lord, we have to understand that what he, we really want in life is what God wants for us. God wants incredible things for your life, and that's what you want. He wants things greater than we could ever ask or imagine. He wants that for your life. And even if that wasn't enough, he also wants to live life with us. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, speaking of the door of your heart. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. That's what God wants. And we want what God wants. God is not far from you. He is near to you. He's at the very door of your heart knocking and he wants to come in and accomplish all of the things that he's talked about in your life. He wants to give you something so amazing. If you're experiencing a time of difficulty right now, if you feel like you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you're struggling in some way or another, remember God's mercy, which is complete and loving and with you. It will not forsake you. It is available to you right now. Just call out to God, Lord, have mercy on me. And then ask God for his vision that you might see him and what he wants for your life. Luke 11, verse 9, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This is how we have our lives transformed, by being spiritual Bartimaeuses, by believing in the power of Jesus Christ and calling out for his mercy and his vision, and then casting aside the garments of worldliness and anything else that would hinder us in drawing near to the Lord, and then following after him actively and purposefully. That's the Christian life. Anything less is missing out on what God desires for us. And that's not what we want. 
We want what God wants. One last thought quickly as we close. Perhaps this morning you're not in a terrible time of difficulty. You're not in a time of confusion. You're a Christian. You love the Lord. You're following Him. You received that sight. You said, yes, I'm going to go with God. You're, you're just going where He goes. You trust Him. You're walking with Him as a disciple. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. The question for you then is, who are you bringing to Jesus? Bartimaeus didn't stand before Jesus without help. I mean, think about it for a minute. You're a blind guy sitting in the dirt, a multitude, hundreds of thousands of people are thronging around one guy. He calls you to come over. You think he just got up and walked over to him? He can't see. Someone in that multitude had compassion on this man. Someone took him by the hand and said, I will bring you to the Lord so that you can receive what I have received. And so who are we bringing to God as Christians? Who are we showing compassion to? Who are we leading by the hand so that they can receive the sight and the mercy and the life and the hope that we have received? Some people around them are going to try to keep them from finding God. They're going to try to shut them up and hold them back. We can go and lift up those people and set them before the Messiah. Explain, this is the guy that can help you. This is the one that loves you. This is the one that knows you and has truth for you, who brings redemption and completion. And so be a Christian of faith and action. Don't let the world or people around you hold you back from the presence of God. Call out to God each and every day for His mercies are new every morning. Ask Him for His vision so that you can keep pace with Jesus and see others around you who are still in darkness. That's what God wants. That's what we want. Let's pray. God, thank You again for this morning. You are a God of action and a God of strength, a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of power. We praise you for your worthy to be praised. God, we ask that you would help us grab hold of the dynamic Christian life, not letting you move past us, Lord, but taking every opportunity that you present to us to know you more, to be used by you, to be filled up by you. God, revive our hearts. Send revival to each and every one of us, wherever we're at. And if there are any here, Lord, who don't know you in a saving way, show them, Lord, that they are holding a ticket that ends in hell and that you want to save them because you know them and you love them. Lord, give them the courage to come forward at the end of the service and talk to one of the guys and pray with them and receive you, receive that relationship. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.